0: On today's episode of Let's Grow Together, I talk with Eva Collins and we really go in a number of different directions on this week's episode. And it's so cool just kind of how everything flows and correlates together. But we cover her experience and stories that she has of meditation and she did a silent retreat and just like all of these real cool things. But then she also talks about her struggle with perfectionism and how she was able to overcome that. So just some really awesome actionable things that go on and just like really cool stories. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. So let's just dive in. But first, the intro. Welcome to Let's Grow Together. My name is Nick Monatatavis, motivational speaker and digital marketing strategist. And this podcast is all about helping you grow both in life and business. Let's dive in. Here we are, and I am excited as always, but we have a very special guest and I'm really excited to kind of dive into wherever this conversation may go. Um, so I'd like to welcome Eva Collins, how are you?
1: I'm so good, thanks for having me, Nick. I'm really happy to be here.
0: Yeah, thanks for, thanks for being here, thanks for being on the show. So why don't you uh, take a moment and just tell us a little bit about you know, who you are, what you do, and, and who you serve.
1: Yeah, so my name's Eva Collins, and um, my company is called Boss Lady Digital, And I help a lot of service-based boss ladies um, create an online business. And usually that's through building up their presence on social media. Instagram is my jam. And then from there, I help them create a course or online program so that they can scale and run an online business and live a life of freedom. Um, And I have a background in in health coaching, in yoga teaching, in a lot of spirituality and mindfulness work. So I blend that into my, my online work as well.
0: Love it. So many directions for us to potentially go. (laughs) Um, You know, one, one thing that I often talk about on the show, and it's always interesting to see, you know, different aspects, and I'm sure you can shed some light as somebody who does yoga, some mindset, there's, there's definitely going to be some underlying uh, morning routines and things that you do. So I would love for you to tell me a little bit about kind of like what your morning routines like and kind of, us through that process a little bit
1: yeah i'm i love i freaking love morning routines and i've seen how much they really like change my state they change my mood and they have become totally essential like i'm not the type of person who rolls out of bed like just super happy and excited or the type of person who is like type a with to-do lists like i'm pretty much notoriously kind of lazy And I can sometimes tend to have a bit of a downer attitude that's just real. And so that's why I really need to have my morning routine because it's like get myself in a good state so that I can set off on a good foot. So some of the things I love to do is A, in general, I give myself hella time in the morning. Like I don't really schedule something before 10 a.m., usually like 11 a.m. I'm not going to coach or teach before then because I need time to like, have to myself, so I love to. I have a new Law of Attraction daily journal, so it writes out like what your goals are for the day, what your to dos are, some things you're grateful for. So I'll fill that out for the day and look at my schedule. I will meditate and do some yoga every morning, and it's amazing how that will shift things for me. Sometimes I'll read different affirmations or um, you know positive thoughts. And then I always try and read some kind of material. So whether that be like an app online, a daily app, or a book that I'm reading from, I'll try and read something positive from there. So I freaking love morning routines.
0: Love it. Yes, me too. I'm all about it. Hence, that's like the number one question I ask on this show. Um, but it's such a cool um, aspect. And obviously, there's a different, different uh, levels there. But I'm curious, you mentioned it briefly, but you have like a pre-existing journal, or I guess that you got, you said law of attraction journal. What what specifically is like in that?
1: Yeah. So I just got it recently. I had been eyeing it for a really long time and I had the bigger version, but I wanted the one that really dove into each day. And so it lists like your goals. It says, write out an affirmation for the day, maybe write a quote for the day. It also has like a habit tracker on the left. If you want to be tracking your water or or if you did your, your this or that. Um, it also has like a set like calendar or a time frame for the day. So it's really good for me to see like, okay, I have this at this time and that at that time. And then there's a recap for the end of the day. So there comes in the night routine is like, how was my day? What emotions did I feel? And I don't get to all of these all the time, you guys, you know, but something. Um, and then it has a little spot for you to journal. So I'll write out some, some notes from the day or something that stood out. So it really dives into like your habits and then your thoughts and emotions and your goals for the day.
0: Interesting. So it's, it's a planner plus a journal like combo in a one.
1: Yeah. Like when you open the page, it's like two, I think it's two pages for that one day you know, it's like, there's a lot for the one day.
0: Interesting. Out of like the things listed in the journal, what do you find is like the most effective for you or most powerful? Hmm.
1: There is a spot where it talks about list any emotions you felt that day and then what led up to those emotions or what were the reasons around them. And so I guess like in general, I'm not really someone who's like, super aware of my emotions. I think I'm pretty just chill, but I've been able to notice like, Oh, when I, when I felt super happy or, Oh, was I triggered AF and, and about something that happened that day, I'm able to reflect on it a little bit. So I do think checking in with the emotions for the day is powerful and what created them. Um, And then I think really listing out my goals and to do's for the day, because we can just roll out of bed, look at the phone, and go on and not really have a goal or to do. Um, that's the other thing Nick is I don't look at my phone or social media until like, like 10 o'clock or something. And I actually forward all my ma- my mail that I don't get it until later in the day because I'm that, I'm that hardcore.
0: <laughs> wow. I love that. I do make it a point to not look at social media Um, first thing in the morning, like I purposely like, I leave my phone in my room and then I go down and I do like, I do my whole morning routine without my phone. So, because I, I, I have a problem, like I'll, I'll go on it. If I have it, I can't have it on me, um, at all. Um, so like, that's kind of a, just know yourself kind of aspect. Um, which is pretty cool, but I I do want to, I have a question. I'm wondering if you would be willing to share, you mentioned, um, like some of the emotions that are, Coming up, and if you would be willing to maybe share an example of how something that triggered, and I guess how you reflected upon that, and how you were able to kind of use the journal in that reflection of your emotions to, Mm. um, you know, figure out the next step and how you can improve it for the next time.
1: Totally. So, so far in having the journal, I only kind of recorded one bad, (laughs) one bad vibe, one bad feeling. But it was something with a family member where I felt like triggered, like, oh, this person's not listening to me or, oh, this is messed up and see, this is going to go this way. And so I had two voice memos from this person. And I thought in the voice memos, it was going to be saying something negative or they were angry. So I was like, I'm not listening to these voice memos. I'm going to hold off because I thought for sure that's how it was going to go. I listened to them. They were fine. They were good. It was not even what I had, um, you know, thought in my mind. So I think just a, the fact that there that there's that place in the journal for me to be like, yo, how did your emotions go today? Because we don't ever do that or I don't do that is powerful. And then to also say, what was the emotion behind me feeling fearful and triggered is because I I was, I was feeling fear. I thought something was going to go this way. So I think it's just really good to recognize it and be aware of it. Um, there's also been times where I think like I felt just like off or like, uh, feelings. And that came around being on social media too much. So to have that awareness and then say, what were my actions or what was going on around that helps to see a pattern of, of what's going on for me.
0: Yeah. Amazing. And that is, it's such an important aspect of self, you know, evaluation, but that comes with self-reflection first. In we have to notice what we're doing when we're doing certain things. I always, I always talk about how reflection is one of the most important parts in like your nightly routine um, and kind of how you incorporate that so that we can see how the day was, you know, what was good and just really like taking that time to see where we can improve also um and one thing i wanted to like kind of come back to a little bit because you mentioned your goals and how that's like an important part as well like one of the you know you mentioned the emotions and the goals so out of the goals how do you strategize in like creating your goals are they short-term goals Are they long-term goals like are they massive goals i'm just curious like what your process is for for that
1: Yeah. So hopefully this will be helpful for people who, um, you know, maybe aren't great at setting goals. Like in the past, I'm really not a goal setter. Um, you know, I, I teach yoga. That's like very like soft and gentle. I teach meditation. That's all about like leaning back and allowing. And there's those times where we need to do that and be softer. And then there's times where it's like, you need to bring the fire. You need to set a date. You need to bring that goal. So it has been something that's been harder for me to actually set a goal and, and push myself in that way. Um, but what I do is, and this is new for me, but I'll set the goal up in terms of every quarter. So just, just three months out, because otherwise it's very overwhelming to me. So for the next 90 days, what am I doing? What am I working on for this, you know, this season? And, um, from there I will kind of like just set general, um, dates down on the calendar and and to do's from there, like nothing, nothing super exciting, but I have a list in my phone of things that I want to do for that day. So on the one hand, it's like, cool, what is my bigger picture? Where am I going in these next couple of months? And that might be a bigger, scarier goal. Um, mostly making sure that I'm like consistently selling something in my business, not just aimlessly posting. But the other part of it is also like my goal for the day. So what does that mean that I'm getting done for the day? Um, And I have a breakdown actually for my goals for each week. So basically it's like a schedule that on on Mondays I'm doing this, on Tuesdays I'm working on that, all to get towards my goal, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. That focus, that level of clarity to be able to this is my goal in the next 90 days and the tasks that follow, mm-hmm. you know, that's so huge. you know, the systems that we create in our daily routines to get our goals is everything. You know, so many people, they write goals, but then they don't actually do the actions necessary for the goals. I think it's uh, James clear and I hope I'm not messing up the quote, but it's, um, we rise to the level of our goals and fall to the level of our systems. Mm. And so it's just such an important aspect of how we're the reason why writing writing the goals is the first step. But we can't stop there. We need to make sure that the actions throughout the day correlate to achieving those goals throughout.
1: Totally, totally. And I'm a super visual person. So I have a huge vision board that I always like to look at. It's near my desk and it helps to remind me of what I'm doing, what I'm creating what I'm cooking up. Um, and then the other part of it is like you said, and I, and I get really fired up about this, especially in my industry, but there's two parts to the, to the dream, to the manifestation, to the goal, dreaming it and thinking of it and moving towards that in your mind. And then also putting the work in to get there, you know, in the realm of people who are like healers and coaches and people who are into the woo-woo, which is more my niche, Sometimes all they do is just sit at home and say affirmations and aren't actually putting a plan into place to take action to take hard tangible actions and um so it has to be this blend of both and that's something that I, I get on my soapbox a lot about.
0: Yes, love it. <laughs> take an action. It is it's such an important aspect of um you know, you can have a journal and a planning but you know if you're not taking the necessary the steps to move things forward um then you know it's not gonna it's not gonna work is there um is there specific you know when you go on your your soapbox that you like uh, cuz I'd love to hear I'd love to get one of those you know on on here about that aspect of like taking action and you know critically and if there's like something specific that you did that like dramatically changed your business through some form of action?
1: Yeah. Well, I think like we need both um, to be, you know, listening to ourselves, to have that more softer side of getting into alignment, you know, maybe meditating and writing out your dreams. We need that softer side. And then we also need that harder side of actually taking action. So I think just knowing that they're both really important and they both need to work together is great because you can be hustling. You can be taking every action. You can be a workaholic and be fastly going down the wrong lane. You can create something you hate. You can create something you don't care about. You could create something that you don't even want to sell, or you could be creating something that's the wrong niche just because you should, right? I've seen a ton of different stuff with, with clients. Um, So knowing that you need to be aligned and you need to take action is super important. But the one thing that majorly shifted things for me and helped me to set goals and helped me to actually take action was letting go of perfectionism. So for me, I thought everything really needed to be perfect. I compared myself to these huge big wigs in the online world or, okay, like Gabby Bernstein does her meditations this way or so-and-so has a course that looks like this and it had me in this paralysis of never actually taking action because I thought well mine doesn't look like that so surely I'm not ready like mine doesn't look like that or I I haven't gotten those signups so surely I'm I'm not ready so letting go of that perfection perfectionism which is essentially just fear masked masked fear letting go of that perfectionism was huge and I had a teacher tell me once that for me my 70% done was done to stop at 60, 70% that that was my level of perfect and to ship it and to let go of the thing and actually put it out there in the world. So that's helped me to take action for sure.
0: Whoa, I've never heard a specific percentage of like publishing or, you know, perfectionism and being like, all right, well, it's 70%. <laughs> is good enough. And I think that's so awesome and you know with the types of clients that I work with when it comes to video, I think that's like such a great thing. I'm totally stealing that. Um <laughs> but I think it's so cool again 70% because we do we get we get so caught up in this level of perfectionism and things need to be perfect and it's just it's not factual, it's not realistic into, you know, that level of perfectionism. Mm-hmm. So man 70%. That's cool.
1: Yeah. And then it's so silly too when we look at comparing everything to someone else. Like I was comparing my course or my sales page or my Instagram post to someone else who was in the, the same field as me, someone higher up than me. You know, quote higher up, right? But that's like the worst thing you can do because it doesn't matter. They're not the one buying it. They're not the one who who needs our help we should really be saying, is this good enough for the people who need our help? Whoever wants to buy a program on Instagram marketing from me, or, you know, learn about uh, online courses, uh, they are not looking at someone else's page in that same way. And it just needs to be perfect enough to help them perfect enough to get that information across, not perfect enough that it looks like some other like big wig. So it's really like not even a matter of, how does it look to someone else's in the industry, but how does it look to your ideal client who you're showing up for and helping?
0: Oh, that's so great. Yeah, absolutely. We, it's so easy to compare ourselves to the big wigs and, you know, but at the same time, they have so many more resources. They have, you know, teams of people, they've got years of experience and, you know, they only got there because they were bad ones too, you know? They they had horrible business cards and, um, you know, like terrible videos and it's just like before they had somebody else that was going to, you know, edit it and make it better. And, um, you know, I feel like that's such an important aspect of, of this process in, you know, taking the time to just put stuff out there and not worry about it being perfect and focus on that level of service. You know, I love that you brought that up and just like focusing on the people that we can help.
1: Yeah. You know, for me, I think I always, always, always say that and bring it back to being of service because honestly, if I had it my way, I would just hide somewhere and just like not really be seen and kind of hide out in some job or something. But I started my business of, of teaching other. Like entrepreneurs, females, how to market, how to do social media, and how to do it in like a soulful, aligned way. Because I saw so much bad crap out there, right? So that kind of got me out of my shell to teach and help other people. Because I saw bad crap, I saw bad lessons. I went through bad coaching, or I went through bad um, online lesson experiences. So I'm doing this because I absolutely love it, and I also want to make a difference or help people. And literally all of the clients that I work with, the people who are in my programs are like other health coaches, right? Or yoga teachers. And they're not there to like make a fortune. Uh, They know, and that's fine. Like they should make a fortune, but they know that it's about being of service and helping others. So one of my mantras, I always say is if you get nervous, focus on service. You know, if you're being stuck in your head, that's not helping anything or anybody. And so how can you just be of service and and focus on being helpful.
0: I love that. When you're nervous, focus on service. And I use a similar aspect in talking about, you know, people doing video and just like focus on that one person that, you know, you can help. And you mentioned briefly about um, you know, kind of getting over that and you would rather just sit and and, you know, hide out. So I'm curious if there is like like one of your first, you know, kind of big steps towards towards like stepping out that you can recall that is kind of a maybe inspiring a little bit for somebody that may be hesitant to, you know, taking that that leap.
1: Oh man. So for the people who know me in my community, this is like a notorious story. But I actually did five yoga teacher trainings before I really started teaching because I was that freaked out, nervous, just did not want to be out there in front of people, felt like I was not good enough. I compared myself to all these other big teachers. So I did five yoga trainings, which is a lot, and I love them, but I was still too scared to teach. So the first time that I was supposed to teach, I believe I like manifested getting the flu. I was literally too sick to teach, and I couldn't teach this enormous, big community class. I had to get somebody to cover it. And I was so relieved at that, right? And through time, I was able to breathe and calm myself and hype myself up to actually go and teach. And so there was a couple things to the story, but I started teaching what I wanted, not what someone else was telling me to teach. The class that was really in my heart, the kind of yoga and meditation that I wanted to teach, because otherwise I was not going to be there. So teaching what you love and feel called to or creating that course or being in that niche that you want to, I think is really important. And then also knowing that if you're scared, that doesn't mean you're not supposed to do it. Um, If you're nervous, it doesn't mean you're in the wrong place and and you're a fraud. If you're not fantastic at it the first couple of times, that doesn't mean anything. That means you're a human and an entrepreneur. And again, just knowing that those are normal feelings is is super, um, I think like, oh, okay, I'm a normal person. So I was super scared to teach over time. I started my own class. Like I was saying that method that I wanted to teach. And then I used to like jump up and down in the bathroom before class and be like, okay, okay, okay. I can do it. I can do it. And over time I ended up selling the class out. I mean, the room was just maxed out and there wasn't any room for it and it felt great and it felt amazing, but it was definitely like riding a bike. You're going to have to get on that bike to feel comfortable on it. And know that just because you wobble on the bike doesn't mean, oh, run the other way, choose a different course, you're you're an imposter. It means that's how it goes. That's how it goes for a lot of people is you have to ride that bike.
0: Love it. Awesome. And not to mention, I love that you mentioned um, how you didn't want to do it somebody else's method. So you kind of transitioned to yours. Can you like elaborate a little bit more on on? Not necessarily like the teaching itself, but just like being comfortable and being like, no, I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it my own and how that impacted the results.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm such a proponent of this and really doing what authentically feels great for you. I'm very much a rebel. I lived in New York for 10 years. It's like, if you tell a New Yorker what to do, they're just going to do the opposite Is is the vibe. So there's definitely that part of me, but yeah at the studio that I was teaching at it was this is the class it was a very like heated strong you know workout type of class which is the opposite of me i am not that type in any way shape or form so what i wanted to teach was a more like calm yin style flowing yoga that also blends tai chi and qigong which is what i had trained in for years so it just felt like well of course i don't want to get up there in front of the class and teach it cuz i don't love it i don't do it i don't want to so really noticing that incongruence in, in you, in whatever it is you're putting out there to the world, like, do you love it? Do you want to be doing it? And if not, what do you want to do? Because you have permission to do that, right? Especially as, as entrepreneurs. So that was really fantastic for me to say, this is what I could do if I would do it for free. If I would do it, you know, shouting from the rooftops, if anyone would listen, it would be this style and this class and this methodology. and. You know, how we do one thing is how we do everything. So I'm a huge proponent of teaching this in the online business world. If somebody tells you, you have to do a webinar this way, or you have to have an email sequence, or you have to have a course or anything, you should always check in with, is this what I really want? Is this what I feel lit up up about? Because otherwise you're not going to care about it. You're not going to follow through on it. It's really going to show. So really making sure that it resonates with you and that it feels authentic to to you is so important in all aspects of your life.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I feel like there's so many underlying um, you know, truths to that message too, with everything that we do. Um, specifically like in our businesses. If you don't love your business, like what are you doing? You know, like this this is your business. So I feel it's an important aspect and you know and one of the things too i actually heard this quote um from one of my coaching clients you know bringing me to school which is great um but he made a comment about um you know you don't have to like be in love i forget the exact quote now i'm going to butcher it but you don't have to be passionate about the everyday but passionate about getting your clients results and mm. i think that that's a really important aspect too you know to to understand if it's like not necessarily full on you, but, but the other side too, is like, you still should be enjoying what you're doing and, you know, understanding that that level of joy is chosen for you and you have the ability to pivot and change. I love that you were like, you have permission to, you know, be authentically you and how we make, make those choices. And, you know, for me, for, for example, like video, it's always like, if, If you're like struggling to do video, then it's the why that's struggling you for the most part. Like if you're not passionate about the topics, it's going to be very obvious. It's going to be so obvious (laughs) that you are not passionate about the content that you're talking about, in which case maybe you're not in the right business.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's some, that's just so good, right? If you're not passionate about the, about the topic, then who cares about the video or the little transitions or the editing. And I feel like so often I see people in in business or their careers really get stuck in that behind the scenes twirling around of, oh, well, is it this that's working or, oh, my emails aren't, aren't being opened or, oh, my masterclass didn't work. And it's like, but do you love it? (laughs) Like, do you love it? Um, because people aren't going to want to watch it if you don't want to watch it, if you don't even want to be talking about it. Um, and so, like, I had that experience that I was deep into the health coaching world. I, went, I was studying nutrition in school. I studied all different kinds of um, intuitive eating practices. And our relationship with food and body was what I had studied and worked on for years. And I really felt sick of it. I, I had an epiphany about my business that I was sitting in a restaurant and someone next to me was talking about food in this way and like intuitive eating. And I had the thought of like, oh my God, turn and like, don't have somebody, you know, like someone would be like, oh, you should talk to Eva about that. That's what she does. And the thought in my mind was like, oh God, please don't have them talk to me. Right. Because I didn't, because I was burnt out on the subject. I didn't care. And I had moved on from that subject in my life. So I was like, oh, that's not good. (laughs) (laughs) that's not good. We don't have to wonder why my calls aren't converting or why this in this class, because if I don't love talking about it, I'm naturally going to push away sales and I'm going to push away that success because our hearts really aren't in it. So I really experienced that lesson in life and business.
0: Yeah. And it's such an important part too, because if we want to succeed in the business, we have to have that level of, of interest and and passion towards that goal. And so I feel a lot of times people may have another topic or another business that they want to do, but are like, well, I've always done this, so I can't do that. You know, like it won't work. But at the end of the day, if like, if that's what you really want to do, and that's what you're super passionate about, like you'll figure it out, you know? And if you don't feel that you want to try it, then you must not like it that much. You know, you must not be that passionate because if you are that passionate about it, it should be somewhat of an easy choice to being like, all right, well, I'm going to make this work. I'm going mm-hmm. to make whatever it takes. You know, as James Wedmore says, your success is inevitable. So if your success is inevitable, then why not do the thing that absolutely you love?
1: Mm-hmm. The thing that you're gonna have a blast, you know, have a blast creating or diving into or talking about rather than something that you know you're avoiding totally. And I also love like the question the coaching question of if you knew either route would be a success, you knew you're gonna make like 20 million either route and have like success and like applause. If you knew either one was gonna work, which one would you choose? And that's always a really great coaching question. But I do think a lot of people get stuck on, oh, but, 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 I have a million certifications in this, or, but I don't have certification in this other thing, or my whole life I've been doing this. How could I possibly walk away? And it's not like you need to make any decisions or walk away from anything, but just kind of cracking open the mind to say, you do have options. And what are you really feeling called to do?
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, just taking the time to, being like well what if it was possible you know what if i could do this how would that look what could i do today to make that happen you know it's not like quit what you're doing right now and immediately follow this other thing like yeah. that's not that's not the the case you know it's it's how can we start moving into the direction that we want to do and you know how that can look so that you can start taking the small actions to make that become your reality.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like when I was pivoting from doing this like yoga teaching as much, and I was doing like life coaching and a lot of spiritual woo-woo work. And I had been teaching yoga or I'd been, been a part of the yoga world for 15 years. And I thought, oh, I really want to teach Instagram and online marketing. Like I really, really want to. And I spent a couple months where I just stopped everything. I stopped my email list. I stopped anything that was related to my health coaching and yoga. And I just gave myself permission to explore and say, if I don't have to be doing anything, what is it that I wanna do? And long story short, the first thing that I did was create an in person Instagram marketing class. And it sold out. And it was so freaking fun. I had a blast. I was like, I would do this for free. And like that first just pivot and like, if it was possible, and if I could do it fun and just, in you know, a low key way, what would I do? Lead a meetup on Instagram for Instagram. And, you know, you always get the information that, that you need to say, okay, from here, what's next, but just taking those little actions and being open to what's possible is huge.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm um, to, I, I want to shift a, a little bit. And um, one thing that you had, you had mentioned and you had talked about is meditation, and, you know, as a, you know, you said you had a lot of training in it. Now, you know, I'm curious on kind of like your meditation process. And there's a lot of different ways, a lot of people with different opinions on it. So I'd love to hear more about your, you know, kind of meditation process.
1: Hmm. Yeah, well, um, you know, I started doing yoga just growing up in, in, in my living room of my house. My mom would always be doing yoga. So I just grew up with that in the house. I grew up in a very wacky, liberal San Francisco home. And then I grew up doing gymnastics. So from there I thought, ooh, I wanna do more, more yoga. And the meditation and mindfulness came from that where um, the very first yoga teacher training I had, we would sit down and just meditate for a half hour. And that just blew my mind because um, I was a bartender in New York City and then I was going to this yoga teacher training and having to just sit and breathe and be present. And it was such a big shift for me, even though I had been doing yoga for a long time. So first got into the physical movement of yoga and then really just sitting down and watching your breath and watching your thoughts um, in that yoga training. Um, From there, I did different like silent retreats and sweat lodges and all different kinds of like spiritual trainings. Um, I lived in an ashram in San Francisco. And this was like a wild story. It was um, kind of like not for me. It was so strict and like dogmatic. But every day we had meditation at 5.30 in the morning. And I had just left living in New York City. I just left bartending because that's mostly what I did in New York for like eight years. And I had left New York City and I was like, I'm moving back home to San Francisco. And I moved into this ashram where Every day at 5.30, we would meditate for a half hour. And then in the rest of the day, we would go on a walking meditation. So it was quiet, but we would be on a walking meditation. So um, I think it's just a really amazing practice to chill the F out, to have a bit more space between what's going on in the world and yourself, to have space between you know your thoughts and yourself and really create, um, a baseline feeling of feeling connected to yourself and, and calm and present. And you don't have to have any kind of crazy guided stuff. You don't even need to do anything specific, but to have that dedicated time of, of leading, leading your mind and your spirit back to this place of, of stillness of quiet, of just listening is so, 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 so powerful. So I could go on about it a ton, but that's a bit of a uh, gist of how I got into it. And why I think it's important.
0: Yeah. You mentioned, um, there's two things when you, when you mentioned moving to San Francisco, um, back to San Francisco, what, what is that place that you had to wake up at five 30? What can you go more into what that is?
1: Yeah. So I lived in a yoga ashram. So an ashram is a place where you, everyone lives there and is dedicated to like a yoga practice. And so Every day at 5.30, we would have meditation um, where we would start sitting down at 5.30. And in the beginning, I was like, oh, my God, this is terrible. Like, my leg's falling asleep. Like, screw these people. What am I doing here? And I would just sit there and watch everybody. That's literally what I did. I just sat there and watched everybody. And I would judge them and be like, oh, they just moved their leg. Oh, they just fluttered their eye. That's literally what I did. And I sat there judging everybody which was a fabulous beginning. That was a fabulous beginning, right? And then over time, I started to say, okay, maybe I can keep my eyes closed for like 10 seconds. And then, okay, maybe I can start to notice my breath or you're able to just kind of soften in deeper. But I really just sat there judging everybody thinking this is all a bunch of crap. And then slowly over time, I noticed that I was so much more less reactionary I noticed that I I wouldn't get angry at something a coworker said or when my mom said this or that. I just had this kind of like happy pill feeling, and um, so yeah, the ashram was wild. I lived there for about six weeks. That's as much as I could take. Everyone had specific chores and you have specific roommates, and then they were gonna give everyone a spiritual name, and I was like, okay, I'm out. <laughs> I was like, I don't need a spiritual name. And I was like, yeah, that's enough for me. It was too dogmatic, but I learned a lot. And by the end of it, I was able to sit there for a half hour, really actually meditating, which I never in my life thought would be possible.
0: Yeah. It's just one of those things, you know, when you, when you give it a shot and you keep an open mind, you know, you never know what you may discover, you know, um, that's such a cool aspect. Now, you did mention something else that I had to ask you about too. You mentioned a silent retreat. What was that Ooh. about? Like, how was that?
1: Oh my gosh! So the silent retreat was nuts. I mean, so it was at the end of a yoga teacher training that I did. So everyone who was a part of this yoga teacher training went to upstate New York to the Catskills, and we were all in this space for a week, and we were silent. So like before you go in, it's like, okay, you kind of turn in your phones. I don't know if we actually turn them in, but you really turn them off. You weren't allowed to have like books or even like an iPod back in the day, nothing to distract yourself from yourself. And on the one hand, it was amazing because I am not really a huge fan of like little small talk. So to not have to do little small talk all the time was so relaxing. Like, I remember, you know, you're in line to have food at breakfast and there's only one piece of something left. And I remember being in line in front of someone and thinking, oh, no, I should ask, like, does someone else want this? Like, I can't take the last one. And I was like, that's what you're doing. You know, it's a silent retreat. You're just going to take this. So on the one hand, it was really lovely and interesting to not have this small talk. I also saw how much of our communication is nonverbal. Like just kind of looking at a friend and laughing and knowing we were both kind of watching something at the same time, um just kind of knowing what mood someone was in without you know verbalizing it, so it was a really wild experience at the end. I do remember like crying a lot um, in a yoga class, just feeling like exhausted with not being able to kind of express some things, but it was really lovely and it is, uh, quite a journey to not really have a way to escape, um, from yourself and your thoughts. So,
0: yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Oh gosh. Cause I've, I've heard of, I've heard of these like silent retreats and it, they fascinate me. Um, people who know me and, you know, I'm sure you guys listening know I like to talk sometimes. So, It'd be really interesting for me to do that. I think I could do it. Like, obviously, you know, again, and I feel it would be very eye opening. However, like, a lot of people struggle with their own thoughts. Mm-hmm. And how long was the retreat? It was one week. One week, not talking to anyone the whole time. Nope. Wow. <laughs> I think that is so awesome. Like, so eye opening to what you're going to experience through that process, um you know you mentioned it being like emotional I don't know, do you mind like i'm I'm just curious like if you don't have to go into like too specific but if like w- willing to share a little bit about what that experience was able to do for you
1: yeah, I mean, I don't even remember specifically what I was emotional about but in general, like being away on a retreat for a week where you have like two yoga classes a day and all the food is made for you and you're sitting out in nature and it can kind of just be an intense thing. You're like, oh God, you know, before I was like with my Brooklyn roommates and bartending, and now here I am on this entire retreat. And I just remember kind of just feeling like um, reaching an end of myself. And just like bawling, just being like frustrated, not about anything about the retreat, but just feeling like emotion. You know, if we can't maybe get things out through talking, you reach a point where you're just like, ugh, just, you know, crying. So I don't even remember what I was emotional about, but I remember like being super emotional. The end of the yoga retreat, just to give you the like icing on the cake we opened up the silence so like we broke the silence by doing a sweat lodge so in the sweat lodge is where we started speaking again and singing and like it was the end of the retreat and that was a wild experience so um that was part of it too
0: wait a sweat lodge is that just like a sauna that you're doing yoga in or how does that work
1: so, it can mean a lot of things, um, but we did a traditional Native American ceremony where this the land that we were on is where they had done these ceremonies very often, and we had a Native American um, leader come and and walk us through the process so in a nutshell, it's hot stones that are brought inside of a like cloth tent, and they put more stones and they put different like um you know, leaves or herbs and things on the stones to make it smell and spark and stuff. And it's very hot. So it's like an intense sauna. And there's also like singing and chanting and different, maybe spiritually guided things that go on. Um, But, but the intensity is that it is very hot. You are sweating. Most of the people are like, you know, it's pitch black in there, but you're like just in your swimsuit and you're like really hot and also going through it emotionally because half the time you're like oh should I leave should I leave okay no I'm okay oh should I leave I'm okay so it was pretty cool
0: that is fascinating I didn't expect a like uh like Native American aspect um into that um so cool so many different unique experiences from (laughs) that like overall just you know Man, bouncing around like going from New York—I can only imagine the city that never sleeps—to waking up at five thirty to meditate—had um, been pretty eye-opening. Um, but this has been so enlightening um, and so kind of awesome to hear the different perspectives and the different things that that you've been able to kind of experience and and shed light on. You know, there's definitely been some huge talking points here throughout today of just like, like 70% action. I love that. Like, I'm going to remember that, like getting people to get their videos. And I'm just wondering if you have any, um, I have one more question, but I was going to ask you if you had any like final thoughts of things that you wanted to add off of anything that we kind of discussed today.
1: Hmm. Well, I think I would bring it back to the, you know, how we do one thing is how we do everything. So Really looking at your life and your business and your relationships as all, all connected. And if you're noticing something in your life or your business that you're not enjoying, um, you know, to to just know that they're connected. And so I like to tell people, like whatever you're wanting to practice in your business, practice it in your meditation, practice it in your yoga. If you want to work on taking action and setting a goal, set a hard pose for yourself. Make yourself do some, you know, exertion exercises. If you want to work on letting go of control, passing things off to a VA, work on that on your yoga and meditation, then relax back, do some relaxing work because it really is all super connected. So um, yeah, I always think that's a really fun and powerful one to look at in your life and business.
0: Absolutely. Love it. Um, and then one of the last things I, I like to ask is, um, if you have any books that just like were absolutely game changers, um, that, that you just absolutely love and recommend to other people.
1: Oh my gosh. I'm such a, a book hoarder. Um, so Byron Katie is one of my favorite authors, favorite, like spiritual work I've ever encountered. She has a book called Loving What Is. And it really helped me to drop judgment and drop the kind of thoughts that I had had in my head that I needed to let go of. Um, Byron Katie, it's like a system of inquiry of basically looking at your thoughts and um, not telling yourself wild stories, which is super powerful. Um, also, You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. Classic good one on like, get your act together to charge what you're worth, to grow up and to love, love money and get it out there. And uh, the big leap by Gay Hendrix is one that was really fabulous around knowing that we kind of stop ourselves. Like when I was mentioning, I was teaching yoga and I was too scared and I got the flu. We have these points where we kind of sabotage ourselves So really learning to break through those um, beliefs and break through those places where you sabotage yourself and look at why you're doing it is so powerful. So those are a couple I love.
0: Awesome. Out of those three, what's your favorite out of those three?
1: Oh, definitely Byron Katie.
0: Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, And then lastly, uh, I just want to say thank you for, for joining me. And what's the best place for... Uh, somebody to get in touch with you, follow you, um, you know, where where you at on the social?
1: Yeah, you can find me at bossladydigital.com. And I'm always on Instagram at Eva Collins. And uh, those two places are usually where I hang out.
0: Awesome. Love it, Eva. Well, thank you so much for being here. And this is awesome.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's so fun to chat. And thanks for listening to uh, all the fun stories and thoughts we get to I got to share
0: with you. Yeah. Thank you for being open and sharing and, and lots of different directions and lots of lessons to take hold and, um, you know, on your journey. So thank you everyone for listening. Appreciate your time. And remember, let's keep growing together. Wait, wait, one more thing. I would first like to say, thank you. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this message, please take a moment to write a review by writing a review. It helps People find this message and helps me help more people. And if you really, really liked it, and you think this message could help someone else, take a screenshot, share it on Instagram, and please tag me at Nick J. Bonnie N I C K J B O N I, so I can show my appreciation for you. We can all win by helping each other grow. Thank you. Take care.